0: Welcome to the Praxis Behind the Obscure podcast and today I have a returning guest by the name of Frater RC and we are actually both working on the Heptarchia Mystica. So I think that would be one interesting point, <coughs> one interesting intersection point we can both talk about. I actually just, cool, I actually just recently wrote a blog about the Heptarchia Mystica and I had a very powerful experience. In fact, the most powerful evocation experience I've ever had was working with the heptarchia mystica very recently and so i did basically the scott stenwick method which we both we actually both interviewed scott stenwick we both read his book um i basically
1: a nokian course that jason newcomb exactly we both both take his course right
0: and so i basically we both worked on the same thing Uh, i had a very very powerful experience so it'd be interesting to talk a little bit about what's your experience been like working with the heptarchia mystica and are there any modifications you've done? What kind of experiences have you had working with the the perhaps the kings or the princes or the uh, ministers, the governors? What kind of experiences have you had so far?
1: Well, you know what was what's been really interesting is is to look at it um, following the deep purist approach, okay. um, because obviously in 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 what we in the way we've been looking at it, we've not just uh, followed Stenwick, who is incredibly useful, and and you couldn't want a better magical introduction to a complex subject in a single sure. book, let alone for the ten dollars I think it costs on Amazon. <laughs> and then he has all this other, uh, uh, you know, sort of investigations into different uses of opening rituals, like the hexagram and pentagram, LIRH, LBRP, and exactly and that stuff. And then then he's got all this uh, some thalemic variations of things but he still includes the christian original form right. of the, the latin prayer or whatever which i thought is very liberal minded of him because um as you know i'm i'm certainly not philemic at all um sure. and uh and so it's it's really uh it speaks highly of an author and a book when they can sort of transcend their perspective on the subject and, sure. and look at it not just as a as a as a religious thelemite but as a magician and then go a step further and say there might even be you know you might you might want to just take it the christian way or he he did investigations of the gd system version of Enochian and found that that was incredibly effective so yeah but but also looking at aaron leach's and you know all the other main literature yeah. led to a a, a very different perspective of approaching the angels of the tabula bonorum which i had only done in a golden bond format before right mm-hmm. and that was very very different and uh yeah so looking at the 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 purest approach to heptarchy has been fascinating unlike uh, unlike what ea quetting says in his black magic enoki and stuff it's like based on what i can see it looks like it's the whole thing's running on jesus juice. <laughs> You know, yeah, yeah. like, this is happening under the authority of Jesus Christ. Right. So, <clears throat> regardless of what the Goetic spirits told uh, John R. King about Jesus just being a man and insignificant, apparently no one, no one cc'd the Enochian angels on that. So they're, they're all like, they're all about that Christ power, baby.
0: <laughs> right, right, right. Well, that's an interesting, actually, I think that's an interesting point of conversation that we can both have is that I've worked quite extensively with the Enochian entities themselves, as well as you, right? Uh, You've worked with the Golden Dawn style. You've worked with perhaps the Stenwick's model, the original model. I mean, I think that alone is a long conversation. Like, what are these entities? Are they the Christian apocalypse angels? Are they aliens? Are they, I don't know. Like, what what do you even see these entities as? Because I think that's a pretty interesting point of conversation.
1: I think they're like, fairy spirits. Yeah, it's yeah, yeah. I mean they could be right. Similar in nature. The density of their angelic form, shall we say? Um it's it's very aware often, especially with the larger beings, um, you know, more letters in their names and and with the heptarchic angels, they they outright are sort of rooting for you, it seems. Um right. And wanting See? to help you like our first operation like we, we yeah like the results have been speaking for themselves let's say sure um, sure
0: sure. yeah i mean for me like the last operation i did was with the um it was on a thursday with the jupiter talisman i use the jupiter uh of creation and the king and the prince of jupiter right and it was a it was the most powerful ev- evocation experience i've ever had literally my room I started seeing shape shifts in my room. It was like I was on LSD or DMT or something. Literally around the holy table, I saw, literally, this is not a joke. I'm not playing jokes or trying to, um, what would you say, exaggerate or anything like that. I'm literally looking at the holy table. I see shape shifts. I see literally mosaic shapes. You know, like when you see mosaic where it's like sort of blurry, but you see something behind it, right? I see mosaic, mosaic shapes with things moving around it. And I see I literally feel presence moving around the table and I see a sort of hologram shapes around it. Uh, I commune with these entities. I talk with them. And then literally, <laughs> this is not a joke. Two days later, I charge the entities with what I'm interested. We commune together. We talk two days later, I make eight hundred dollars randomly, which is weird. Right. That's very weird because of the Jupiter entities I charge with a little bit of a, you know, sort of a uh, with a sort of financial or economic incentive but i say hey if it's if it's not meant to be it's not meant to be however literally two days later i get contact okay eight hundred dollars for a one-day job which doesn't really ever happen like once a year maybe
2: which is i mean i mean that's
0: that's literally instant results right you can you can view that as instantaneous almost in a way but it wasn't even really the financial results that was interesting to me it was literally the visual the the, pre- the felt presence and the visual results were more interesting than any of the financial things that came after that. <clears throat>
1: it's yeah. interesting you say that because that's actually one of the main reasons why I think it's unfortunate that money magic works and that that doing this work can even, you know, improving your life, you know, thaumaturgically or theurgically can result in, in, in more abundance in every way. And that often includes economic ways. But it's it's unfortunate that that works, and that money magic works tend to, so instantly because I think it distracts a lot of people from all the other stuff, which to me is way more interesting, the reason I got into it and, right. and, is, and is what's most unexplored. Like why am I seeing these shapes? why why right. does when, when you do those those that first first or second or both Enochian calls at the end of a conjuration, why does everything suddenly change?
0: Right, exactly. That's a good point. so. As I mentioned before I told the story, the more interesting thing to me is I did the first Enochian call. I did the second Enochian call. I had the table set up. I had the Jupiter in-same of creation. The more uh, powerful experience was not even the $800. Cool, that's great. I'll take $800. I'm not going to lie, right? However, at the same time, it was more of the the full experience was so powerful. Literally, my consciousness was raised multiple um, vibrations up and I'm seeing literally shape shifting. I'm seeing all these visual things. I'm experiencing this powerful evocation on any level I've never experienced before, right? Literally vis- visible evocation where you see you see entities moving <clears> around, <throat> you see rainbow shapes popping out of them. That's more, that's a lot more powerful than money in your pocket because that's on another, that's a totally different level. It's like way beyond what the physical realm of money or. You know, objects or anything like that, right? And so for me, yeah, like you said, like sure, the money magic—that's cool. It works; it can work, right? However, it's more of the total experience of raising your consciousness to a different level and exp- and having those experiences. And so, yeah, I'm curious about like you—you've you've been doing a lot of experience m- recently. How how has that gone? You've done a lot of evocations with the Hapariki
2: Mystica.
1: We've, yeah, we've we've uh, we've been slowly i've been well i've been teaching it right so i've been teaching it and coming from uh, the golden dawn tradition as i do we tend to break things down a lot it's a very Mm -hmm. structuralist sort of approach Mm -hmm. right you do just this part of this one thing this grade just this part of this other thing this grade, and then all of them in this grade you know for certain for certain things um and there's different approaches to it but but overall the idea is to break it down and, and like why is why is it that these orders all uh, have versions or copies of reproduced grade material or rewritten grade material. It's all broken down step-by-step, step. Sure. but you don't see any published occult literature broken down so much step-by-step, step, especially in the sure. uh, an, anarchy or ceremonial field. Um, it's a, It sort of hits uh, us, it's a light blind to make you maybe just do a bit more work, but uh, but that is how people do learn things. So sure. when I've gone, when I've looked, I've had to go through the purest material and learn about some of the updates and, and advancements that have occurred in the field since I did the learned the bonorum in my that was the first Enochian magic I was taught in the inner order.
2: Oh because we
1: were using it for a special project okay. um, <clears throat> for a year-long project. And uh, you know, that w- led to tal- talismans uh international group ceremony, like well, everyone flying in the same place, doing a thing, and then sending adepts around the world to like plant talismans, like hardcore shit you know that that's what what we spent most of our time doing really it's trying to trying to help the world out rosicrucian style really um and uh so i learned the bonorum then but that was 2000 2001 2002 and so breaking it down there's quite an easy pathway into it um that's delightfully wonderful and um i also am a big believer in in not needing all the tools to do everything because as you know like Someone like you starts out in your Nokian path, first thing you're going to do is get a get a, a magic ring.
0: Okay, sure, sure. I agree Maybe. with you. I agree with you. you. You don't need all the tools. however, okay, this is another mm. interesting point. I totally agree with everything you said. However, would you say that having the stuff helps or doesn't help? What would you
1: say? Well, the reason I'm the way I teach is is to take people through the stages of it. Sure. Like you know, we start off with just drawing a sigil then having to realize that there needs to be a change. Like that's part of the learning process. I knew that it would need to be changed, but they didn't know So they put their all into that first form. Then why does it need to be changed? Show them the reason it needs to be changed so much so that they want to, that they're excited to change it, even though it's going to take an hour to draw that out just in pencil again. Well, and that's the first stage. And then you can take that as a, as a contemplative symbol, like you would the tarot trumps or anything else. And, and really build towards the, you know, full painted sigil this big that you stand on the, on the floor before okay. the, the table, the, all the implements or whatever. So in that build-up process, I'd rather have people realize, have experience knowing both. You can, yeah. you can follow, you can do everything that you need to do that everyone says you should do to make sure it works. And it'll work. Sure. But you're not, that's all you're, you're going to know. And you're not going to, you might even become one of those people that tells everyone who does it any with any slight deviation that they're wrong. And that <laughs> right. they're, just, they're just, oh, there are uh, plenty of those people, plenty of those, just, you know, fooling themselves. Right. But if you haven't done it, you don't know that. So, yep. and, and, and again, in, in, a, in a collegial magic approach like, like that I learned in the GD, which again was very different to my experience in the reclaiming tradition, Wicca before that in the early 90s, where it was just like, this is how we do it. It right. wasn't, it wasn't, there was no, you know this is how you draw down the moon and there's no theoretical debate about methodologies it's right. like this is what we do <clears throat> and uh if you end of course if someone didn't want to do it's fine um but there's something in inokian magic you'll find people saying you know you have to have to have this ring well right. that of course is a key distinct factor between the golden dawn system and and the purist approach to inokian where in the golden dawn system you you sort of the power comes from the five, six initiation, mm. and you know, your lawman, that's sort of the ultimate tool of tools. Right. Um, for the adept. Um, and then there's the fact that most of uh, that work, the, the amount of the, most of the work is done in the vault. Well, a lot of work is done in the vault. We did a ton of work in the vault. Sure. And I don't really talk about that much because again, there's no point in really talking about it much, but <clears throat> that's very pared down. It's, I mean, Uh, as one one friend of mine who's been through like seven four said always reminds me he's like 80 percent of it it's all scrying it's all scrying Mm -hmm. right and that's that's very uh you know different to the uh grimoire focused on physical evocation
2: sure
0: sure sure i don't really see them i mean i know there are people who see the so we have kind of some camps right you have the pure uh grimoire purists so you need all the tools you need all the um Everything needs to be perfect. You need the perfect ring. You need the perfect setup. You need the, um, the rug, exactly like the grimoire says, right? And then you have the other hand who's like, no, it's all in your head. It's all whatever you think, right? I think there's a middle ground. From my experience, right? Ultimately, you should do it whether you have the stuff or not, because you're going to have experiences which will probably probably inspire you to seek for more, right? Ultimately, right? So if you have a very powerful experience using a system, you might think, hmm, I wonder what's going to happen if I have the whole setup, right? Which actually might intensify things ultimately, right? At the same time, you have the people who are like on the other end, like you said, you need to have everything perfectly set up or it doesn't work, which from my experience is just not valid, right? So I think there's this middle ground where, yeah, experiment with it and, you know, use what you can. However, you can, you know, you can have more experiences. You can scribe more. You can upgrade your temple furniture, upgrade your knowledge, read more. I think it's more of a gradual process versus one versus the other. You know, that's my experience. But what, what is your
2: take on that?
1: Yeah, I think it's educational. You want to teach the methodology. You want to teach them the approach, not sure. just dogmatic practices. And so, yeah, they're getting to see the difference of how these things, how it evolves and how it changes as you add more things like one one of the guys who was pretty new um he ran off and got himself a gold ring and like the rest of us some um, no one else is even wearing any ring except one of us wearing a paper one right because because that one it wasn't required that week next right. week it'll be you know the next time after that it's we're, we're adding things in so so people can see the, the changes and it's really fascinating to see the changes because i come from a full temple tradition from a very active temple uh concentrating all your tools doing all the grades right like um so i know how i know how good it can get but also i know how important it is to not be one of these people who are limited by that and that's where you see people like go through the system graduate you know and then stop practicing
0: right exactly Exactly. that
1: seems sad to me i mean who cares really if you want to stop practicing that's great yeah
0: I i totally agree i totally agree so you've been recently working with this Heptarchia, Mystica, Conjurations, right? Have there been yeah. any notable experiences between you and your students? I mean, I mean, for me personally, I've had some incredible experiences, some transcendent experiences, visible appearances, you know, communion. I'm very curious. I mean, that's me. That's myself, right? However, you and your students, I'm sure you've had some probably notable experiences, right? I, I'd imagine, or maybe not. Have yeah, there been but... any, any notable things that you might want to...
1: Share. Uh, they've been um, surprising. They're they're surprising. the The question that I didn't uh, that I was curious to have answered is what really is the extent of possibility in in this new pioneering space of cyber magic, which you oh. know I we all heard about back in the early '90s. Some people were talking about it, probably in the '80s even with uh, some of the chaos writers, chaos um, magicians. Yeah. And and you know I I never thought that that would ever be me. I would okay. never be in that space, and sure. uh, and uh, next thing you know, uh, a pandemic hits, and <laughs> like, well, right. uh, I guess uh, I guess I'll explore what I can explore, and, right. and look into the realms that I can actually make a change in. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So what's been shocking is the effectiveness. Yeah, I would say I would say the the ritual work in cyberspace, uh-huh. you know, is is just as dramatic. Uh, and profound as as in a physical temple with someone which that's the craziest thing and uh, you know there's we've had a lot of conversations like we're talking a lot because it's a little bit crazy and it makes me think about the idea of like you know the jesuit father ther de chardin's new idea of the of the the net of consciousness surrounding the world and sort of, sort of the manifestation of the holy spirit and sure I, I'm curious, I, I wonder if the magic is somehow like hijacking the internet waves and being amplified or something like that, or if it's just that the good old theory that astral space is unbound by the physical limitations that uh, that it, it really does work, which would make you maybe reconsider some of the debates around astral initiation. But it definitely led sure. us to a big, uh, to some interesting discussions on uh, virtual reality magic and the future of uh, right. where we might go with that it's, it's, it's it's crazy. And I'd still rather go for a walk walk in the woods, but Hey, it might not be legal in the future. So Mm. let's keep our options open.
0: Sure. 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 So what you're doing is you're doing an online, you have kind of an online guild where people join in your live streams. They participate in these evocations, right? They do a little bit of study behind it. They participate in the experience and nonetheless, even though they might not have all the right proper tools, they're still experiencing something for the most part. At least most of your participants, right?
1: Everyone, everyone has, everyone, yeah, you know, everyone has an active uh, magical practice. They're all, yeah. you know, you know, good chunk of them chunk are, are, you know, uh, uh, masons and, uh, you know, or, or OTO or GD style. Um, but everyone's, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a definitely a magical working group emphasis on the working, and yeah, uh, we do weekly classes and there's, it's, you know, sometimes it's theory, sometimes it's workshops, sometimes it's ritual or, or whatever. We'll have more guest speakers come on and just, uh, there's a lot of stuff to cover in, in sure. this, you know, in the curriculum and in the study and everyone has their own practices. I'm not initiating anyone or, or uh, it's no, no kind of order whatsoever. I'm i I'm, I'm just not going to stop teaching just because, you know, the universities have lost their minds and, and conferences <laughs> aren't happening and, the right. world's gone a bit crazy um i'm not gonna yeah i'm not gonna stop because i don't need to and uh and and uh yeah and so i'm just you know doing the spiritual direction thing which is really what what you know the main use uh, for my master's degree anyway in divinity right? sure. That that's literally what i was trained to do um and it usually is done practiced in the churches across uh, denominational lines in fact uh spiritual okay. directors usually it's recognized that it's it's a it's a kind of counseling training right Mm -hmm. um where you are really looking out for that person's journey um rather than trying to get any kind of follower that's not what it's about yeah
0: sure 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 yeah very interesting because you've had a lot of experience in the golden dawn and you've you know you've been in pretty much all the what would you say the positions or the offices that
1: i got to do like almost everything in the gd um yeah yeah, right, I was a curator for a long time, and cancellarius sub subpreminstrator for the whole order when I was rewriting the grade material up until the schism, and uh yeah, um, past Hierophant, fan of course, got to do higher fan many six month terms as well as like highris many times, carix once, which is awesome. If you can ever be carix, that's fucking awesome. And I did carix while well as an adept too for a while. We were really rocking it, and we had enough adepts there to actually have some. major and lesser officers um as fly six members which is crazy that's what you hear about when like when zaleski talks about uh jack taylor and that kind of level of work you have people who just know this stuff inside and out and are working on on every level and uh and that's when it really comes to life on a a whole other plane
0: yeah very interesting what's another interesting thing is you've never got into Thalema, right so for example like that's, that's another whole bag of...
1: I, I did a book report on Aleister Crowley in grade eight to try and like shock my teachers okay. and got a schooling in Rudolf Steiner instead and, and never looked <laughs> back.
0: Right, interesting, interesting. So look what I got below my laptop. I literally have Gems of the Equinox uh, annotated by Israel Rigardi, right?
1: Yep, yeah. I know that book well.
0: Very good book, very good book, I gotta say. And oh so, yeah, like, yeah, yeah I
1: definitely cool. had all the books and read all the Crowley stuff. Right. In fact, last year I was just rereading uh, his confessions. Uh, confessions, uh, yeah, okay. it's in a box of my stuff in California now, but uh, hopefully I'll get it soon. And it was really different to read, uh, you know, as someone closer to his age when he wrote it, like very, very different. I mean, fascinating guy, right? Like, and
0: sure, sure, sure. So, so like, uh, as far as I know, I mean, we're talking a lot about Enochian magic. Uh, Alistair Crowley, he actually had a whole, he has a whole book called Vision and the Voice, Liber Four One Eight which is scrying the whole Aethers, right? He literally goes from text to Lil and he reports his whole experiences, crossing the abyss, you know, all these kind of crazy experience, uh, you know, communion with Babylon and all these things, right? Whereas in the Golden Dawn, were were there any adepts who recorded their experiences about working with the Aethers or working with Enokian magic?
2: I'm
0: I'm sure, I mean, I would imagine there'd be some, but are they reported or is this sort of inner order stuff or Mm -hmm. what?
1: It was, Aethers were very, very much worked in our order for sure. Um, we, you okay. know, like I, uh, uh, even at Temple Dahudi, we had the full, ta- the full table, the wax tablets. We okay. still did that form of Enochian magic, we were okay. still trained in it and did it. Um, there's a great story actually of, of, of the frame prim- creator for the order for the, the, the great and mighty TDL, my, my bro and mentor. He, he once so, sort of got called out down at Temple of Isis in LA for for taking some practicai three equals eight people into the temple and introducing them to scrying with 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 an ether with i think it was probably text um sure. though i know th- i think it was it must have been lil because that's the closest crowley went the wrong way about it right um okay it, interesting it yeah. doesn't really make sense because you're starting at the altar at the double cubicle altar the universe the center of reality and mm-hmm. going from lil to text but whatever it sounds yep. like he had a good time with his buddy so you know <laughs> yeah it, you know uh maybe sure. the pay gave him a short made it opened up it, he did a chaos magic working of the ethers is what he did
0: okay yeah that's a good that's a good view of it okay
1: every time someone breaks the rules we just call it chaos magic
0: <laughs> sure and of all things listen guess who i got on the podcast tomorrow live in the flesh phil Hine. Who's a legend in the Chaos Magic? Oh, one
1: of my, yeah, he's, he's what he's, uh, got me into it. Yeah, for sure.
0: Literally, the, probably yeah. the two people that people come across in the Chaos Magic sphere when they first get into it are probably Peter Carroll, right? You got Libra and uh, Psychonaut, right? And then you have Phil Hine, who has uh, Chaos Condensed, Primal Chaos. He has basically a lot of the primers of Chaos Magic. So I have him on tomorrow, who actually is very big in the Chaos Magic scene, but in the past couple of decades, he's been a tantric. Basically, he's been a Shiva Tantricism, right? Hindu Tantra. So he's really kind of moved away from chaos magic and totally into the non-dual, you know, non-dualistic Tantra, basically. So that's going to be an interesting conversation tomorrow. We're going to dive
1: deeper. Yeah. I'm very excited. Yeah. Yeah. That'd hey, we're all, we're all, yeah, there's some interesting, uh, yeah, and, and you, you know, so our buddy Sean just talked to Georgina um, mm-hmm. on LVX files. You got to check that out, and, yeah. Uh, and uh oh man and you, you you won't believe who he has next after especially and- if you've paid attention to twitter oh my god anyway i won't say no oh. um, any yeah.
0: spoilers no <laughs>
1: <laughs> the spoilers? fact that i'm not saying anything should be spoiler enough
2: okay okay interesting
1: um anyway uh so 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 tdl took these these practical out order members in to, to, to do enokian scrying with them for their first to teach them scrying and it, it, people the people were like how, how, how you know what are you doing they can't really call him out because he's literally that you know in charge of everything um despite what people think that it was zinc they, that's you know he was the one who ran it ran things and taught and okay. trained him, trained everyone this that's is it. zinc right zinc no it's no, not, not zinc. Zink didn't do voldemort did not did not do that much <laughs> stuff at all no Voldemort huh
0: hey wait a minute yeah. I'm going to interrupt you you said I have this book here can you see this
1: yeah 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 This is yeah, by well, I... Athena Wallander who I believe yeah, she's just Tempo down the street to... from me here
0: she is a Temple Tehuti initiate right
1: well she she was an initiate of of the order uh but okay. when she was a member it was a sanctuary there was only there, it was being run only by a single adept, fr- uh, Frater Kahn, Nineveh Shadrach. Okay. was running it as, the sole, as a solo adept then. And it, it wasn't until the, you know, his two top students got you know, initiated into five, six, and, and then he left it, that they ran it as a full temple. And uh, so it was a full temple when I joined in 96, uh, but they weren't doing initiations yet, not, not till 97, okay. which, is, which worked out perfectly for me because I was in Vienna in between
0: okay interesting okay Maybe you've had some out. interaction with her i'd imagine
1: oh yeah yeah and we, we we've talked we did and working together with lon um awesome and awesome. uh yeah we, we've always been to hang to hang out when i was in town but um yeah interesting
0: yeah pretty good book i gotta say pretty good book pretty good book i would say that it's interesting because what i like about this book specifically very experimental so She gives a little bit of the golden dawn and Crowley approach, but then also a little bit of the purist approach and a little bit of ideas for the future and different kind of experimentation, which I think is pretty cool. It really shows when reading this book is that this person has really actually worked with the system, has some experiences and really gives you kind of ideas, which I like, right? Rather than just theory, it's sort of, it's a very hands-on, you know, practical manual, I would say, which is pretty cool i like that yeah gotta admit yeah
1: yeah uh, very- yeah so we never met at that temple at the time plus i was 15 so they didn't let me be a part of any group stuff uh until i was 16 um and uh so i didn't meet people that first year um which was cool i had private lessons <laughs> <laughs> sure sure, sure. Fucking rock um yeah. damn damn good times uh, yeah, very- yeah it's, it's cool that you have her book uh, uh you yeah, know she has some interesting theories so yeah. She and, very- she and Nineveh Shadrach I hear did a lot of Ishtar and Venus stuff at back in the early days of Temple Sanctuary of Tahiti. um Yeah. Very yeah. Some some wild magic they 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 were doing. When groups are starting off up, they all do a bit of wild stuff. It seems they really experiment a lot more, and mm-hmm. then they get larger and more codified and and rigid and then they break apart again i was just reading about that with the old order of the golden rosy cross in Frater Ackers' book. oh interesting um, hold on a so second i actually me, me actually, actually just really finished reading this together
0: i really want to read that book can you tell me a little bit about that book
1: well it's missing more full stops than anything i've ever read in my life okay like, okay. like the i think i don't think there is a period in german vielleicht. I don't know. I'm just joking, <laughs> I'm just joking. but, um, okay. it's a wonder, it's a beautiful book. Um, okay. Can yeah. you, can you tell like, us a
0: little bit about, um, so what, what exactly does it, it's Rosicrucian magic, magic, Prader Acker, Acker, right? The German, yeah. uh, German edda. So what, what does it cover? Did you learn anything from it? Is it worth well, reading? What's your A take lot on? of
1: it, a lot of it's in German, um, okay. which I like, like there's whole chapters in German, but you know, it's all translated as well. But, Um, I like having the whole ritual and and it's, it's fun for me, but he, he does some weird things like, uh, redefining white and black magic, uh, in a way that I think is pretty useless. Okay. Uh, Um, but the, 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 one of the most interesting things was the ritual he included from the, uh, uh, the old order of the golden rosy cross. Okay. Um, by one of its founders, who was sort of either kicked out or disempowered towards the end of his life, and uh, you know this is eighteenth century we're talking, and wrote this ritual that basically was this uh, the empty hand path, and it was sort of written as though to his son, who knows if that was actually what it was passed on to because if it was, then the son probably would have destroyed it, and we wouldn't have it in archives but it's a it's a ritual of based on a, on a basic tree of life agrippa formulation of the Sephirot and the invoking the divine names and hierarchies and their their jewish prophet um to initiate yourself i think you're standing in the ocean when you're doing this or maybe you have an altar there's different phases but overall it's a it's an initiatory ritual for for uh for everything but emphasizing that you're not joining any order it's an invisible college uh, style ritual you know There's no members there's no orders anymore there's no temples there's no rituals you're you're pure free open rosicrucian mystic after that and and that's all there is um and and what's interesting is you can see that this guy who wrote it having formed this one of the oldest and most uh you know sort of renowned uh rosicrucian orders of the past you know 300 years ago um you know when he got disenfranchised and, and and when his order had grown so so formal and rigid Uh he he was of no longer used to it he formulated this ritual initiation at the end of his life that could be used by his hypothetical or real son to Uh to get what he got before he felt that it it became uh, calcified and useless. you know it's like if you you can't do that then you can do this and maybe we should all do this anyway it sort of it seemed like a very sort of end of life realization of what the core of the mystical path is and 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 you know I think that's that's beautiful that's wonderful,
2: very uh, interesting. So so
0: it's sort of would you say the, the book is like a collection of rituals and essays and things like that? Is that no? There's
1: just there's just the one ritual. It's it's okay. sort of uh, it's sort of like you know a mixture of uh, historical documents. Okay. And uh, commentary. Philosophy philosophy of of the like Rosicrucian philosophy, and, and what it means, and what it is. And I think some of the stuff, uh, the, the emphasis on on maat, and uh, which is you know um, big focus through teme and the GD style as well. But uh-huh. I think that comes from the Querea, Josephine McCarthy uh-huh. uh, ethos that he's a part of. But it's it's still quite lovely to read what it is to live as as maat. Um, yeah.
0: Interesting. Okay. Would you say? Would you recommend the book, or what, what's your overall? Oh yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 definitely it's definitely if you're if you're at all interested in Rosicrucianism, it's it's kind of a important addition.
0: Okay. Uh, okay. I, I mean, I'm I've been considering many... picking it up. I I haven't bought yeah. it yet, but I'm be, I've been considering checking it out. So. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. There's not m- many people making that kind of contribution in that field, and. Mm-hmm. Uh, no matter, no matter what percentage of it you wholeheartedly feel an affinity to, it's, yeah, what you connect with is going to be significant, I would say. And, okay. and, and understanding some of the history, like it's a great corrective to a lot of the other nonsense that, that I've had to read recently for this. I've, I've been absent from my podcast and, and everything sure. uh, as people might've noticed and not that posting that much online because I've got deadlines for writing. And I'm um, in full writing and research mode, mainly other than, than the classes.
2: Uh-huh.
1: And some of the stuff I've been reading that's come out since I last paid attention is, is absurd. is insane, <laughs> right, you know? And uh, sure. like in, 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 in Liam Thomas Christopher's Kabbalah, Magic, and the Great Work of Self-Transformation, sure. he, he mentions uh, that, the, that in the Golden Dawn's formation, they okay. invented this grade structure and then fabricated some connection to Rosicrucianism okay. uh, that didn't exist, just to sort of sell themselves more to their members, which mm, were mostly okay. drawn from the Theosophical Society and a Kingsbury's right. Hermetic Society, and uh, and and but also the artistic community and mm-hmm. and such. So, he, which is just such nonsense for someone even for for any Golden Dawn adept to make that kind of gross error in basic history is sure. is crazy and the fact that, that people then are running off with these absurd impressions of it for example like the golden dawn was founded by william Wynne westcott he didn't right. fabricate a Rosicrucian connection he w- he was the supreme magus of the su- societus Rosicruciana in anglia right <laughs> the reason there's a Rosicrucian connection to the golden dawn is because it was founded by the supreme magus who became the guy who became the supreme magus of the sria right that's that's the connection it's a direct right. connection from right. this order to this order and the grade structure came from them but actually even the grade structure goes back before that to the OGRC or as Frederic Acker calls it the OGR um, probably because it's from the German Ordner Christian Rosenkreuz uh, OGR would is in German. I don't know if it had a German name, Ordener Goldene Rosenkreuzer, but OGRC makes sense because it's like the OGRC, and it's their name was <laughs> the Order Order of the Golden Rosy Cross. Right, and they were right. sort of the big Rosicrucian order that existed in the 1700s, okay. and they came up with that grade structure. So okay. it's like right there, you have 300 years of transmission and adaptation of the same structure. Just adding more and more and different things to it along the way based on serving the needs of the time and the place is my uh, hermeneutic estimation of that, which I think is essential to really looking at the way the vicissitudes and and transformations and developments within any system of magic or spirituality or or thought whatsoever. You have to to look at its, its relationship to the time and place if you want to understand why it was being done this way.
0: Sure, sure, sure. Yeah, very interesting. I, I I do want to pick up that book. I think I'm going to check it out. I I did read Prader um Holy Diamond, which is a pretty good book because it goes over different sort of. I like the style of that book. I don't know if you've read that, The Holy Diamond. Have you
1: read that? I've 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 seen glimpses of it, but but no. Um, yeah, it's pretty my, cool. It's pretty cool. One of my students just went through uh, Black White Magic Black Abbot. I and, do want to read
0: that. I have not read that one.
1: Yeah. That's all all the, it's 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 all sort of interesting. I, I put it as like for, for me like Fratter Acker and, and like Jake Stratton Kent, it's like anytime I have a chance for enjoyable reading, I sure. dive into that stuff because I like some of the stuff I disagree with more than the stuff I agree with, you know, because sure, really, sure. it's good like, for thought. Yeah, and there's been a lot of things that I disagreed with, but and that took like three, five, seven years to gestate maybe for some more experimental rooms to, to take place. And then I realized, damn, I, I think that might be right. Like that's, I got turned around around from the dualism to the spirit model. uh, of like, just like, I don't, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm still, there might be something demonic about demons or unclean spirits might be something demonic about unclean spirits, but there are also, you know, there might, but there also might not be it might just be our perception you know if, if you're at this if you if you go into this divine frequency of hyperspace that's full of light and love and then mm-hmm. you you take a look down into something klopothic you're going to be like, like oh that's evil but if that's where you started sure maybe you're at home there and, sure exactly so the mm-hmm. the moralism doesn't hold up metaphysically
0: yeah i agree i agree actually recently now you're talking about uh you're talking about Frader Acker. I just picked up this. I don't know if you can see it on the screen. Jake Stratton Ken just came out with a new book called yes, I heard. Night School Volume 1. I like the title. Night School Volume 1. The Sworn and Secret Grimoire by the Master Arbitel. Translated for our age by Count Abaka. So uh, what it looks like, I haven't read it yet. I just picked it up. But it looks sort of like a Arbitel. He's working with the Olympian spirits of the Arbitel. And so it's sort of a how to grimoire, how to use uh, grimoires and specifically working with Arbitel to use evocation is what it looks like to me. So I'm going to read it. I'm going to try to do a little bit of experimentation with it. And I do want to have Jake on, which would be great to explain, you know, it's sort of a how to grimoire, which isn't really out there. Right. Like everyone has their theories and whatnot, but it looks like an interesting book. So. I'm going to definitely read it, work with it, and try to interview him and see what the whole process is, you know, it'll be an interesting one because Jake Stratton, Kent, like you said, Fred Rocker, Jake Stratton, Kent, they're really pushing the boundaries of, they're putting a lot of good new ideas. Like you said, maybe you might not agree with it. Maybe you do. I think the more important thing is sort of mixing the, mixing things up and making you think, right?
1: Sort of giving you a different perspective. I like that. I really like that. I think that's important.
0: That's value in itself, right?
1: Yeah, seeing seeing different like you know the interpretations are one thing, uh, uh, the experiences are another. So uh, when I when I read John King, it's the experiences he relates of dealing with these spirit these goetic spirits is fascinating, especially how he handles them and all of that stuff. Some of the conclusions and interpretations he draws from them, I I might take issue with. One good example of that is really interesting. Um, you know, he notes throughout the interactions and demonstrates in the diary entries in Imperial Art um, the deceptive nature of goetic spirits, okay. um, and, and and how clear how clear that is. And and you see that it's, okay. it, it's related in his accounts. And so on certain things, he'll challenge them, assuming that they're lying. But on other conclusions he draws based on information they give him, because they he wants them to be true he okay. assumes that they're just spouting divine factual reality like okay. um like that jesus was just a man mm. not special at all
2: okay
0: interesting
1: interesting right that sounds like you want that to be true otherwise why right. would you lie maybe just to their from their perspective he's not divine or anything and i'm not arguing either side of that at all i think sure. jesus was absolutely a man sure. um if he existed at all yeah sure.
2: right 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 now, who knows we, which we is that's that's a, that's a so debate in itself right
1: there's probably just a couple of them i don't know who knows uh the historical jesus debates a it's a weird one um that is a
0: weird one that is a weird one i mean who who really knows right i
1: I'm think it's very more... familiar with remember when that coffin came out with the inscription and stuff it was like it was like professors of mine that were part of the you know team contributing to the analysis of what it meant by james brother of jesus and and that sort of stuff so i was in in theological school at the time and and you know we had yeah it was part of our part of our education in a big way like learning how to interpret because what does the meet the you know you really have to understand that the word brother would have been applied like the way you and me call each other brother for sure 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 whereas in our culture today we wouldn't write that on a tombstone
2: Right, 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 right.
1: I wouldn't, on my tombstone, I wouldn't say that you're my brother. <laughs> right, right, People would be yeah. like, oh, he had a brother. He never mentioned that. Mm. interesting. Back then, that, that was not what it would have implied. Sure, and sure. And exactly. you know that by looking at other archaeological and historical and textual examples very precisely and very closely and, you, and extensively. You would look at everything. Whenever you interpret anything, passage of the Hebrew Bible, you know, at that level um, you're, you're look, you're comparing the key words to every reference you can find in all the Midrash Rabbah, the Targamin mm-hmm. and everything like that. You have to, otherwise you're probably just missing out a ton of insight just for a little bit of laziness.
0: Yeah. Very interesting. I think that's an interesting point. So what do you, what do you see the difference between this is something I'm very interested in. So you read a lot of books, but you also do a lot of work and have direct experience, right? So what is the balance there is it like you know do you lean more heavily towards what your experience relates to you and interpret it that way or is it you read books what, I mean what I think that's something that people I mean I, I probably see extremists on both ends but what's your interpretation like ultimately if you have to lean back on one right is it your direct experience that's the most you know solidifies your mindset or your perspective or is it the books and your studies what would you say on that
1: um, I think it's the, the tension okay. that yeah. is created between the interplay of the two that is most important. Okay. Um, that's what keeps you in, uh, outside your comfort zone. That's what keeps you in the zone um, and you know, helps you maintain that sort of flow state in life that is very congruent with any kind of divine or true will or self and, and just harmonious to you know, being, being most authentically you. Okay. And that's what I think. Yeah. I could be wrong.
0: No, I like that. I like that. That's a good interpretation. Um I've actually recently been downloading and reading a lot of the tantras. I've been going kind of old school. So I started out more of the eastern path, I guess you would say, right? Like Buddhism, uh tantra, things along these lines, right? And then I went more into the western sort of the esotericism, the rosicrucianism, golden dawn, crowley, Enochian, these kind of things, right? Um one thing you see in sort of the there's like the non-dual school even in even in okay so for example you have david heim smith who is extremely like non-dual kabbalah that kind of thing right and then there's other the emanationist theory i'm curious what's your take what's your you've read things like this you've had experiences what's your take on that because you have on both ends on the western the eastern you have the non-dual non-emanationists and then you also on both ends of the schools right both on the east and the west you have non-dual versus the emanationists what's your take on
2: that
1: well yeah uh, or is there I, even I'm, I'm of the same thinking of David Heimsmith, and that's what made I think our interview so fun on my podcast magic without fears Doc yes. Tom, whatever um, yeah. because I realized that's who I was talking to and I wasn't quite sure of that before <clears throat> um, because I hadn't read all his works there and you know they're 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 I hadn't got his books yet and I've read some of his stuff now and I've been you know going through his 32 keys like his his little videos on each of the keys which you can go to his site are are amazing Mm -hmm. I watched the first two many times um and that's where I'm at like the second one I'm still trying to wrap my head around a little bit though the first one has really codified a lot of thinking uh and and that's actually impacted my work it's something I was always aware of, well, it's, it's, it was just, he's expressing ideas and concepts in different ways, which, um, you know, are very powerful if you're, whether you know Hebrew or not, but Mm -hmm. you know, the fact that it's my thing is just, you know, sucks me right in. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, and in my writings, uh, in my main work, uh, I uh, express the same sort of understanding of how, um, subject is defined especially ethically but spiritually um in the context of the moment that defines oneself um and uh actually that's uh that's yeah that's uh, my my main academic uh book um the ethics of understanding god um Mm -hmm. and and actually uh on wednesday i'm doing a podcast with uh with a phd who wants to talk to me about it who's just read it and okay. that'll be the first time I've ever spoken about it, uh, publicly uh-huh. with, with an, with a doctor who has read the book. Okay. Um, obviously I spoke about it a lot with the four PhDs who guided me through the right, the research and writing, Okay. Um, but I've never actually, so that'll be fun. That'll be my next podcast, man. There you go. There, there you go. Hey, that'll be some intense shit. Um, getting, getting into it philosophically, uh, mm. with a, with a prof on the channel, but yeah, I think, uh, I think all is one and you know the but studying the expression of the oneness is is what the kabbalah is about as well right sure. you just don't have to see it as a you know in an ontologically uh, emanationist perspective and he has some points about that and that the point the points about that that he makes is what makes his that school of, of mysticism so fascinating yeah and and it raises a lot of questions and answers all of questions, even just to the extent that I've gone through the first couple of keys. Yeah.
0: Interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he is also, I, I've never spoken with him, but he's also like an adept of he is a he studies like Zokchen, like Tibetan Buddhism as well, right? Isn't he sort of a I mean he he studies in depth the Kabbalah, the Jewish Kabbalah, but also I think he's a adept of the he's a Dzogchen monk as well like half of the year or something like that right so he really brings in like both the eastern mysticism and the western Kabbalah and things like this right
1: yeah yeah um though I don't see much eastern stuff in his writing Um, okay Mm. it's pretty much Kabbalah like and Mm -hmm. uh he's and he's representing an oral tradition uh that that Mm. hasn't really been expressed before um and uh that's exciting when some whenever some rabbis or whatever say hey yeah you know what just get this out there you're the guy to do that okay. um if i you know if if you were teaching a student in this long oral tradition and he's just pu- published uh two more books right the gates of the gates of light um right and, he, uh, uh, the fountain fountain of wisdom the the old fountain of wisdom right yeah yeah no I can't wait to get those um and uh, so he's he's representing this tradition of Kabbalah that hasn't been expressed too much, um, sure. but it is related very similarly to the abulafian practice that that me and most people know because you know med, you know Kaplan's meditation on the Kabbalah was the main supplement to Kabbalah that most Golden Dawn people would go to for practices, and and you have enough there already for a lifetime actually if you take it seriously um so that's that but that's more of the Abalapian school and Heim smith is a is the sort of the sister system to that sort of way of thinking as he explained it to me um so that's really cool um it makes sense that that it it was very easy for me to slip into that but i'm still slipping into it because i don't actually have the time to go at it full bore and it's not the kind of thing you need to rush either as he himself would tell you um and it's and each book is self-contained and for for anyone and he writes in a very poetically uh lovely mystical way that that is inviting and absorbing yeah you really want to have no other distractions when you're reading that um
0: interesting yeah, yeah I, actually a have two, I have two of his but i haven't read any of his books oddly enough i think i have three of his books on my bookshelf but i haven't read them yet so i'm gonna to have to start cracking into that you know
1: yeah one thing people get wrong uh, a lot in the magical community about uh the kabbalah is a lot of people you'll hear people say things like um you know spiritual transformation or progression can't just be some mind game you have to actually do it like this or do it like that and and uh have have this wide range of experiences and full holistic transformation but not in kabbalah there's traditions within kabbalah that are for sure like that but there's also traditions within Kabbalah that are that are analytically based ideas that through analysis, using your mind, you yeah, you you get there as well. And so the the act of then just reading the book, that's why you have um, all these rabbis teaching mystical stories and get, uh, like, oh, all the boy did was was look at the letters and then, you know, the angel came and saved him or or something like that, you know, sure. um, even though they couldn't read them. So th- this idea of analytical or mental or uh, logos spirituality is what it sort of is. Like it's logos spirituality in a way. And, and it's very common in the contemplative traditions to see this emphasis on the contemplation of written word, as well as, you know, all the other aspects of, of magical or mystical practices that they do include.
0: Yeah, sure. Interesting. Yeah. Um, what do you see so you've been through the whole golden dawn system right and they there's a big difference between hermetic kabbalah and perhaps jewish kabbalah do you think that do you see a big distinction or do you see value in learning both of them i mean there's other guys who say skip the hermetic kabbalah go straight to jewish the jewish kabbalah right
1: and vice versa what do you you think about that there's, there's no really no escaping hermetic Kabbalah if you're looking at certain magical traditions, uh, sure. right? Like if, uh, if you have to know these hierarchies of angels associated with these, these Sephira, and you're doing the Kabbalistic cross with the uh, and Hesed reversed from the way they are in, in Jewish Kabbalah, like that's sure. a heresy. Um, <laughs> that's, that's the Christian element of heresy within hermetic and, and Christian Kabbalah. Which okay. is what Hermetic Kabbalah is. It's the idea that you're, you reverse that because you're stepping back into the tree. That's a key, crucial difference. There's okay. nowhere in Jewish Kabbalah you're ever going to see those two things getting reversed. It's always, as is always, would be on the right shoulder. We are the reflection of God in Hermetic Kabbalah. We are the Tselem, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, that's that's one difference of Hermetic Kabbalah. But you need that if you're going to do even the LVRP with a Kabbalistic cross because you're, you're doing that um it's why a lot of people like will face west and doing the middle pillar because they're stepping back into the tree and they want to emphasize that it's sure sure not, sure not that's not universal but mm-hmm. uh, all that that idea is the is the is the def- one of the defining differences and then there's a bunch of other ones of course um mm-hmm. but it doesn't prevent you from practicing the you know kabbalistic practices on your own ground um especially since you know this is a magical approach to these things is looking at operational effectiveness sure,
0: right? sure, sure. so you are part of a golden on temple do you think the future you are part of a formal temple now you do this kind of online community you have your own uh what is it hermetic uh, mystery school.com can you tell us yeah
1: yeah is that the yeah name? well i do a, i do a, you know a free monthly lecture that anyone can come to and then okay. uh, weekly classes which are awesome and exciting i mean It's uh it's wonderful. And then uh some sometimes I'll record them and you can, you know, take individual like study individual techniques if you just want to do your own thing and I'll present techniques as succinctly as I can, um, but as comprehensively as I can, outlining in a a perspective from across different traditions and letting people know about variations that are done, just so that uh, you know, if you, you don't have access to anything else, you can at least get as best you can a full perspective of, of mm-hmm. the range of of things
0: what do you think is the role of the online school the online guild versus solo practitioner versus joining a temple what do you what do you see are there distinctions there what do you see do you think the future is more leaning towards online or solo what do you what do, you, what, do you, what do you see there i'm very curious about that because I see, I see there's a lot of online stuff going on now, which looks really cool, you know, gives a lot of people a chance to interact with people, do experiments together, work with somebody who has experience. And then, you know, they're solo, people just do their own thing, you know, without mentors or working with other people. And less so these days you see, I mean, the actual temple stuff exists still, but maybe because of COVID, there's a lot less of that going on. And, you know, what, what do you, what do you see the distinction there being?
1: I think if, if if online education is done right, yeah. then you're going to, like, I'm not trying to teach people to know less than me. I want people to know as much, if not more than me, uh-huh. so that we can work together better. And so that sure. there's more people out there to work with and, and learn and grow with. Sure. Um, so if we can do the online stuff well in a way that creates you know, uh passionate and, and competent and knowledgeable magicians, sure. They can more easily go out and create physical locations.
0: Sure, sure, sure.
1: Not physical so, so you,
0: yeah, I like I like that answer because you don't see this one or, one against the other. It's more of they sort of feed off each other. So you can learn online and you can start your own thing in person too.
1: Yeah, because magic magic has a built-in uh, sort of fail-safe okay. um, I Can teach you a bunch of theory for a ritual right here and now, sure, but and it but it doesn't mean anything if you don't go and do it,
2: right? Right, right. right? right.
1: So you have to get it offline and go do a bunch of stuff, probably, in, including painting a sigil on a canvas or on wood. And you know, the whole process, even if you no matter how you slice it, is going to be it's a lot of stuff, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's go. Good- Even if you just wanted to draw it out quickly on a paper and then go do this thing, you're probably going to take a cleansing shower and put on your robe or whatever and, you know, dose yourself with incense and oils. Why not? Why wouldn't you do that? That's part of the process. And, uh, yeah, so that's a lot of physical activity for just something to result from me just spouting a little bit of theory at you right now. Go do this. And then you got to go spend hours doing that, maybe on Wednesday at sunrise, you know. So, right, right, right magic done right manifests even the educational aspect of it manifests very profoundly in the world so that amount of time we spend talking online or doing classes online is 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 truly the tip of the iceberg of the bulk of the work that is then right. necessitated for the person to do otherwise they're just wasting everyone's time in the first place Like, yeah
0: it's, it's just know. entertainment right like so when you're in yeah. the hoodie they follow up, right? Like, are you, did you do it? Where's your magical oh, journals? No. Did, did, did no, no, they, they, they never up? did that. They never no, did. They didn't,
1: they didn't, we didn't monitor journals that that's, that's a, that's become increasingly common, I think in magical groups, but, but we never thought that that was uh, necessary. Um, I okay. mean, the tests were, the tests were, you know, detailed. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's a three, three hour written test. So if you pass that, you're good to go. It's not our, you know, the rest is between you and you and your own conscience and higher self.
2: Okay. Okay. You know, yeah, at the end well. of
1: the day, you, you're only cheating yourself. Don't, no you know, right. I don't care if you have uh, profound experiences necessarily. Like if, if you don't and I, cause I can't create them for you. You have to participate. I can't participate for you.
0: Sure. 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 What is something you think that the magical people are missing perhaps and on the vice versa, Normies, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> people not interested in this stuff, you know. So if there's somebody who's doing a lot of magic, interested in these kind of things, what do you find commonly that they're missing? Is there something that they're lacking or they're not seeing? And on the same end, normal people, I guess you would say, or people who are not in- interested in this area, do you see them as also lacking something? Because you have a lot of experience in this area. Um, do you see any sort of lacks on both ends of the spectrum, or are there any patterns you notice? I'm very interested in that. So it's kind of like do you see like magical people do they kind of neglect Malkuth do they neglect their physical realm their health or are there any patterns that you've noticed after you know being interested in this area for the past couple of decades
2: or what have you
1: Well yeah I think it might it may it might be the variety is just too wide to uh, Yeah it's a pretty it's a broad question Yeah you know, it, yeah I, I, you know, because I. I, Case by case kind of thing. Yeah, you only hear about certain types of people, right? Okay. Um, And when you consider all the people who practice that you never meet or hear about that don't go to conferences, don't uh, mess around on Facebook. (laughs) I mean, yeah, I think, I think. uh, And that's the majority of people. Or the majority are the ones you don't hear about. The ones talking are the ones who you know are always on Facebook. Clearly, aren't doing anything else. <laughs> yeah,
0: um, sure, sure, sure. You can you log know? into any given Facebook group, and it's all a bunch of people posting and fighting and arguing, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. So they're probably part of the minority of practitioners. That's a good point. That's know? a good point, right? Um, they're the most yeah. vocal
0: the most vocal but they might yeah. be the majority right it's
1: like it's like with uh, all this other all that other cra- like all the crazy stuff on twitter it's like a sure. small percentage of people um, yeah you can see that when, when things on people on youtube or, or twitter get ratioed right sure. and uh, you're like oh yeah so there's a, it's a those are glimpses into what the majority actually thinks because once in a while they step out and are just like no no we don't like that that's yeah
0: yeah, very interesting, very interesting. The, the vibe that I get, though, is, like, looking online, the vibe I get is that, like, the Golden Dawn and the Crowley stuff is sort of, when I read a lot of stuff, it's, like, that's outdated. You can just skip that. It's all about the old grimoires, right? I get a lot of that when I read Facebook groups and stuff like that. It's sort of like, um, yeah, you know, you can learn a little bit of her, uh, basic hermetics or things like that, but they didn't know what they are talking about. Crowley or the Golden Dawn were sort of, Working off unfinished manuscripts or imperfect material, you can just skip all that. That's that's kind of what I read a lot online. That's what I see a lot online.
1: Right. Well, see that that makes sense if you if you uh, consider that like the the kinds of histories these people are reading from books like that, uh, like sure. like like Christopher, um, you know, you, if these people aren't reading like the the these people aren't reading the good books that really show uh, a fuller perspective, like. You, in, right, right here in, 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 in Steven Skinner's and Francis King's techniques of high magic, you go from, from the most preliminary thing, uh, you know, what is magic, to evo- how to evoke to physical appearance, all in, <laughs> all in less than 250 pages. That's pretty <laughs> dense. Like, I, if, someone, if someone's like, oh, I read that, it's like, oh, what's that mean? Well, you know, I read that, and then I start, it's like, so there's no reason, like, you didn't do it because <laughs> right there you have five years at least right that's five years did you right, it? right,
0: right. yeah good point that's a good point
1: that's a good right point. and and are you going to tell me that he doesn't know what he's talking about because because he never studied any any grimoires really this mr skinner whoever right 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 you know right this is the guy this is mr grimoire and this right. is his his version of an introductory manual of self-initiation you want to can, you want to get into this stuff here's the basics right here is this is when someone the people you're talking about say yeah you can do a bit of hermetic stuff there you go this is a bit five years right five years yeah good what point the problem is your standards of what a little bit of practice is now has shrunk to such a minuscule five second tick tock amount that no wonder you end up like giving up because you have no idea what this stuff is capable of
0: yeah i like your answer i do like your answer i mean i think that um with so much material out there it's a blessing and a curse right in other words you have so many things to study so many new books so many and that's historical reprints but at the same time that's all that can be that's, this is just my opinion and you can yeah,
1: that that's I mean, exactly why masturbation. Meant, it can be mental masturbation
0: right so Are when i doing... was
1: when i right. was 15 that's why i joined the golden dawn right. because i had been initiated uh my first physical initiation was in uh 1988 into the oh. yogic tradition i practiced that meditating twice a day yeah. from 1988 to uh you know i did another initiation when i turned 10 and that, those were beautiful ceremonies that really opened me up a lot and probably explained a lot of the later early developing, uh, sensitivity and psychism and all that. Um, and then from, you know, I lived in an OTO oasis when I was 10 uh-huh. and, and, and ended up with this, uh, a uh, regarding tree of life in my, in my things when we moved out. And, uh, you know, a couple of years later, I read that. Uh-huh. And, uh, and by the time I was 15, I was feeling a little overwhelmed because I'd read all this stuff, but it didn't really congeal in a solid way, even though I'd gone through Don Craig's curriculum and stuff like that. And that's why I joined the GD, because I just wanted to know the stuff I needed to know to do all this, do all the all the ritual work. I wanted, I needed an actual magical training. Here's the quickest most concise way that we do all these things and also how much do we do these things how much do we practice each of these things what are the things that you you just need to hear from other practitioners that never get written in a book because no one thought to say it um right. you know and you you study with so many people for so intensely for such a concise period of time when you graduate from those seven grades or five grades whatever you, you choose to get through um right, there's a natural break for people who you know what to want to do less time, um, as, as the way I see it, like that's not actually in depth. If you find the, that amount of education in depth, I don't know what to tell you because there's not that much Kabbalah. There's not much that much of anything. There's enough so that you know what you need to know to do these practices and not be totally in the dark, sure. right? It is a jumping-off point. And, and, and every, and every, you know, every, every one of us who's done this for, for decades and decades knows that. And it's a, you know, is teaching, training themselves over a long game because they don't plan on stopping anytime soon. And why would you, if you like Steven Skinner and Ashton Shazan and all those guys talk about are focused on physical manifestations, like Mm. that's, that's the shit most people don't think really uh, happens, Um, Mm. but they never also never put in take the, the whole system seriously enough to find out for themselves
0: okay good answer good answer uh so yeah very interesting kind of thought what is, what is your sort of uh view on magic is it sort of the theurgic you know are we working towards this divine union this sort of uh union with you know the cosmos with the godhead or is it something else is it sort of sorcery or are they are is that a false dichotomy
1: yeah it's a i mean it's a broad term that that mm-hmm. contains a lot of disciplines within it <laughs> uh, right, right right right, geomancy's magic sure right certainly right. especially in the process by which you do the core aspect of the divination i mean you're essentially in, you're invoking the gnomes from the fairy kingdom through the through, sure. you know or the watchtower in the north um, however you see it you know it's a gnomish m- magical act that connects you with the uh, the stars in some some way and mm-hmm. uh yeah
0: it, you, do you see a big distinction between magic and mysticism are there, oh yeah.
1: yeah or do they work
0: together are they are they
1: no
2: entry or are they
1: i mean huh? mysticism is is not necessarily um a part of magic at all like like you know Skinner likes to say that spirit magic isn't spirituality
2: okay I
1: would say that you know it might that I could argue it's de facto part of your spirituality because you practice it and you're you know we all have spiritualities but from another perspective you know maybe not because it's a technology of practices that have been passed down and should be studied and validated on their own merit through this tradition that they've been passed down and that's and he's right when he points out um that there's a reason that the core practices haven't really changed that's why you don't see every 100 years or so magic being completely rewritten Mm. we never we've never had a harry potter formulation of magic despite the fact in in actual in actual traditions in history of magic despite the fact that it's that's the prevalent uh, presentation of it in fiction in a lot of fiction is this sort of uh you know mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. wingardium leviosa uh supernaturalist approach which obviously doesn't work otherwise we all be like throwing fireballs um <laughs> well there are i mean you have friends about it, that right well yeah he, he was he was exploring something there um, <laughs> uh right. yeah um yeah but you don't see that stuff at all in the history of magic. That's not what magic is. Right. And there is an actual tradition of magical techniques and technologies that have been used to, um, do a lot of things. Uh, the, you know, the, the interaction with spirits is, is certainly a primary thing, but also invocation of the gods and, uh, rituals of initiation and transformation that are done with the aid of, of God or gods. And, uh, then lead to uh improved uh ways of uh interacting with spirits subjugating spirits learning from spirits and discovering out knowledge mostly it was about interested interested in acquiring knowledge and and that's still very much something that it's used for today um to explore the limits of knowledge that's what people like uh you know uh us are doing in the entheogenic realm with ritual magic and and exploring and asking questions about our what reality is based on our experiences, there and how those experiences change can change based on certain magical technologies, whether it's sound frequencies, rituals, sigils you name it, crop circles. Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I see that. I see that. I do see a, that. Yeah, yeah, I see that. But I a do see of a lot knowledge. Of, yeah, right. Yeah, I agree. I totally agree. But I do see people arguing that there's the psychological model, the spirit model, the energy model. I mean,
1: the quote, Steven Skinner, the psychological yeah. model has largely been discredited. Has largely been and discredited. I, I think it, it's a yeah. shame that that as much as I love Aaron Leach, he wrote an article that sort of pre- emphasized it as a problem, thus sort of uh, highlighting an issue that I didn't think was really there. Mm-hmm. As much as Rigardi should be credited for uh, using his psychoanalytic education and training to explore the psychological Realms uh, and aspects of magic, because there's definitely you can't. There you can't are, yeah. The psychology, yeah. you know, it's valid, on. On, it's valid um, on its own plane. That's right? not what it is. I mean, psychology is a, a new thing that still is um, sure. highly um, creative. Let's say, mm-hmm. I mean, like you know, I mean, the subconscious isn't. It's not really a thing. The superconscious, subconscious, that's not really a thing. Like right. That's not, that's not tried and tested. Your ideas. It, it's, yeah. it's a theory, a working theory or a methodology that probably at its best is heuristic and going to get us to a further understand, help us maybe ask enough questions and, and do enough studies that we get to a further understanding of, of a greater view of the truth of what's going on. And and I think entheogens is a big part of that, right? Um, right. You know. Uh, yeah, I agree.
0: I agree. I agree
1: so yeah, you... so it's like, so you know when leach emphasized that in that famous article about psychological and spirit models it i, I think it i think it reignited people taking a psychological approach
0: interesting yeah i don't even read that article
1: yeah, because yeah that was no, no one no one ever in my experience from you know childhood onward ever talked about this stuff like it was uh, all a code for some sort of mental programming
2: Sure.
0: However, that's a popular approach. You'd be surprised. There are a lot of people who do see these practices as being sort of a psychological um, hack, I guess you would say, right? So you use, for example, the LBRP. It's like, it's going to open your mind. It, it opens new parts of your brain, which might be valid, right? You do these practices and it actually might because every, everything does. is of as above, so below. Yeah. If you believe in as above, so below, it probably does tune into different parts of your
1: you well, know, that's my actual, point regarding physical, regarding physical, yeah. Regardi did that study for us we you know he was the guy who uh, went and said hey look this is what's happening on a psychological level
2: right right right
1: um he never said that it only exists on a psychological level right, right. jason's right. new approach is is so excellent because he's familiar with these things like nlp that i don't really know anything about and don't uh-huh. care too much about but it, it's it doesn't hurt to hear more like whenever i do come across it i'm it's interesting, but then I forget about it and move on. Um, but for some people, that, that's going to be very, very, uh, some people really lock into it and think it's, that's amazing and they really get it and it resonates with them. And that's cool. He right. looks at that right. stuff, but he's still talking about actual spiritual beings that exist in some spiritual land that we still don't understand, but you know, exactly. seem to tend to encounter in certain ways, either uh, ritually in trance states or uh, you know, on DMT.
2: Yeah, exactly.
0: Yeah. Very good point. Very good point. I think ultimately, mm, what would you say? Mm, I think ultimately being reductionist is the problem, right? Like everything is in your mind. Everything is spirit. It's probably a mix of both, right? It's probably some things are mental. Some things are on that plane. Some things are on the spirit plane. Some things are on the energetic plane, right? But being like trying to fit everything into a box I see is a problematic right it's very narrow-minded it's very dogmatic it's very
1: yeah very victorian it's
0: it's a very narrow reality tunnel not being able to switch between different paradigms and has to be this versus this it seems very low level to me
1: you know victorian and structuralist i mean structuralism was is what is you know we, we see it in linguistics so so wonderfully useful it's putting everything breaking everything down into boxes structuralism right. is what people usually mean when they say the popular phrase deconstruct uh-huh. um what they're meaning popularly is actually structure referred to as structuralism and then philosophically deconstructionism is something totally different which i'll be discussing with a professor uh on wednesday um and we'll oh, look nice. at that we'll look at that stuff because yeah yeah he, he's written some very nice comments about my book which is awesome which yeah it's very flattering so very excited to hear what uh Mm-hmm. what do you think so uh, yeah of that work anyway
0: yeah yeah sounds very interesting what are some uh you know what, what are what are some areas because you're currently exploring the Hyptarchia Mystica, and you're doing a lot of work with that are there any like future plans you have for your you know your hermetic mystery school any things that you're excited about working with
1: well, Directions. You know, right now it? there's one class a week um uh the there's it's about uh, you know 10 or, 10 or so of us, give or take at, at present, but hopefully we'll, uh, you know, grow to be able to have, you know, two, three classes a week, okay. um, and, uh, more guest guest speakers and stuff like that. And just, uh, have a fun open community. Like I said, there's, it's composed of, you know, Masons, Druids, uh, OTO, Thelamite GD initiates and non and, and X initiates. Like, it's a it's a mixed bag and people who just want to study the techniques of magic. that's what we're doing we're studying the techniques of magic um and people have their own practice i i don't fall i don't oversee at all what anyone does on on their own and if we decide to do group practices then we that comes out of a group discussion or desire um because uh we didn't know if it would be fun if it would engage us and it turned out to be the most amazing thing ever and uh, we're all very excited about that so um yeah crazy yeah that's like what the, the the difference between like uh, using following Stenwick's model of, of the the first and second Enochian call to create a micro or macrocosmic experience or both was absolutely uh, worked exactly as he said it would, and it was quite d- crazy because the the yeah. when 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 focused on the using the call just for the the micro experience and his his whole thing is a theory in the first place because right. there's gaps in the heptarchical uh, grimoire that that we you know have to. Compliments and draw from um, other assumptions and sources to to make work um right. which is why you know the, none of this purest stuff either grimoire or or uh Enochian is ever truly pure because right. you know just like ashen shasan says like you know i follow he, he follows that stuff but he's he'll still tell you what he draws in and when he podcasts right. with me he's like yeah he'll use you know golden dawn signs uh, like uh no. harpocrates and and horace <laughs> when when he feels they're appropriate and you know he incorporates a lot of stuff to make it work and that's right. the thing right so there's never it's never about purism really it's, it should be acknowledged to be about pragmatism um mm. that's yeah. what magicians want more than uh, uh, and that's the difference between uh magician magic and religion really um you know they want to maintain the celebrate the mysteries through a tradition of 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 repetition enacting a magical process that Theologically is called sort of uh, anamnesis, anamnesis. Um, you could call it a magical process. I definitely think the epiclesis, the transformation of the bread and the blood uh in the mass is a magical in action. In fact, the word is epiclesis for when the spirit goes through the priest who represents Christ through anamnesis uh, and transforms it into this spiritual substance that contains the essence Christ, and then you consume it. Actually, uh, Skinner doesn't go far enough in his analysis of the mass, probably because he's a he's a classist, and not a theologian, which is the slight difference between our fields. Right. Um, uh, because academically, we have very similar backgrounds. Um, he could go further and say into into his analysis of it as a match like because not only does the spirit transform through Epiclesis, but then you consume it and it has the magical effect of removing all venial sin. So when when Christians consume the sacrifice, the host, the body and blood, they or just the body is sufficient because it has blood in it is the theory. <laughs>
2: right, right. Right.
1: That's how they started saving money on wine for all the parishioners. <laughs> That's exactly why that happened. But more or less. Interesting. Um, uh, yeah, there that was the argument because there was outcri- outcries in the Middle Ages when certain churches stopped offering wine along with the host. Um, of course, there was. Right. Um, because people wanted to drink the wine but they wanted to keep the host in their mouth to take it home and powder it up for a for an ointment for their cats their sick cat or to put a string through it and wear it as a talisman on a necklace this was this was beyond common practice this was ubiquitous yeah um and very uh, interesting yeah so you consume the the magical body of christ and it cleanses you of venial sin not mortal sin that's why it's very specifically magical it's not some like like religious uh uh panacea like god fixes all things no it's got a very specific limit to its power Interesting. it, it cure, cleanses you of venial sin if you but you and you can't take it if you are beset by mortal sin it hmm. doesn't work it's a it's actually a sin to take it while beset by mortal sin moral sin must be confessed to the priest and that's why you do confession before mass that's that's yeah, it, it seems extremely magical um by any definition um, sure, sure sure
0: yeah yeah very interesting
1: it's just not um, called that magic's evil in that theology
0: right, right 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 right, going back
1: to the classic origin of of magia of the persian magi being called magic because that's what you called other people's religion to discredit
2: sure sure,
0: sure. yeah very interesting I think that um, we're in a special time, though, we have these scholars and these, um, yeah, I guess you would just say scholars and researchers. And at the same time, we have these practitioners, sometimes they're both scholars and historians and practitioners, or you just have a lot of scholars coming in with the practitioners, um, synergistically working together. So I think we're in a unique time, right? Would you would you agree? So you have, you have a lot of mission. people putting out books, studying, doing yeah. a lot of research, uh, working with practitioners or practicing themselves. I think this is a very unique time that, um, yeah, there's a lot of um, there's there's a lot of benefit to be made for each each person or each practitioner, each historian. So for example, you have like Justin Sledge. I love his channel, Esoteric, yeah. where it's like I, I've actually chatted with him on one of his live streams. He doesn't do any he he you know. He majored in esotericism with a focus on John Dee and the, um, you know, Enochian magic. and
1: Yeah, I'm actually uh, just mm-hmm. like a third of the way through his master's right now because he, wow. he's the only other person in esotericism that I've seen who focused on semiotics. And that's what I focused on. So uh, okay. Ferdinand de Saucer and Charles Sanders Peirce were like my core study leading up through uh, the, the postmodernness like uh, Roland Bart and his okay. uh, his approach to anthropology and mythology um you know again this is also coming out of uh Claude Livy Strauss and then up to Umberto Eco who really synthesized semiotic approaches and then my favorites which are Robert Corrington Kevin Hart and these are um Robert Corrington specific uh reframes metaphysics in a semiological uh naturalist approach which is really really his work's really amazing his new book I think is is uh, his new book, his last book, is called Deep Ma- Deep Pantheism. Very huh. interesting. But I would say to someone, to, they should start with his book, Ecstatic Naturalism. But if you aren't somewhat versed in philosophy, it, it could be tricky. Um, like,
2: okay, okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah,
0: very interesting, though. So, But, I mean, as you mentioned, Sledge, he's putting a lot of information out there, a lot of history, research, you know, things along those lines. But he doesn't actually practice himself. He even mentions... He's never tried an Inokian magic. He's never tried. Yeah, uh, he went to Amsterdam with a
1: friend of mine. He was in the same class as a friend of mine at, when he did his Amsterdam uh, degree. So, yeah. Um, yeah, very interesting. Along right? with a few other guys, we, we all. Uh, anyway, um, he's a D&D guy. He's a, he's a, yeah. He's a he's <laughs> yeah. Yeah, a cool Dungeons um, and Dragons, right? Yeah, there you go. Mo- no, most so, like, from the, my first uh, association for the study of esotericism in East Lansing, 2004, uh when i hooked up with that whole crowd academically it was midway through it was during my second master's um year and uh they are not practitioners like you don't you can't talk about it like you you couldn't talk about it back then like you did not say that like yeah you were you would be mocked very readily Um, um yeah If, if people knew that you were a practitioner. And if, if it hadn't been for the National Post of Canada, the Ma- National Post mag- uh, newspaper outing me in a, in a 11, they could about me for 11 paragraphs in this national cover story on the Waldorf school system. And they just trashed, like it was a, it was a, it was a- piece. A, a libelous attack, pack such a job if ever I saw one. And it had fully discredited me before I even arrived at the conference um wow. the organizers and everyone knew about it and from and that was when i found out that even though i got accepted in by nicholas Clark into his doctoral program and did that there was n- likely no chance that i would ever get published in the academic field because of that hit piece and that was done to me when i was 21 that national post and that woman now is like the head of a huge corporation man those these journalists man they'll they'll can't they, that's why i tell people i was canceled before cancel culture like the, <laughs> the took a top student from a excellent school you know breaking academic records and just destroyed his life academically before uh it could even start and uh through lies through lies um so crazy. Yeah, that's great. a story i haven't ever talked about that um yeah, yeah. carol millstone she can go fuck herself <laughs>
0: With, uh, yeah it seems like the like, safe you, way is to go all theory and history but not an actual i i don't do this the i job just uh, i study
1: the history around. of it
0: that's the safe route you know
1: Imagine if your job was just to run around publishing lies about people to destroy their lives.
0: Well, yeah. Yeah. That I mean, that's a big thing in the West. It seems, is it, it seems like it's a, it's sort of a sport. Like what's the next thing to hunt down and I want to cancel him. It's sort of a, uh, it, it looks like a sport, literally let's hunt down the next thing to cancel and all celebrate it and then find the next guy to hunt down. I don't know. It's, it's, it's very odd. I don't know. I don't even know what to think of it.
1: Really. Tribalism
0: yeah yeah tribalism is a good way to describe it or um i don't know i think that people are so comfortable that they i don't know it's like vicarious joy out of making other people suffer or taking them down you know sort of this uh yeah tribalism it's probably the best way to describe it i would say really but yeah 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 all right. Well, uh,
1: if, you, kind of if, you focus, if you focus on your on on the fun things in your life and the, the magical things you can do, you know, I think that's the, the best way out of that stuff. Honestly, yeah. you know, good just point. I mean, you yeah, know, yeah, create, yeah. Create your own reality. Yeah, that's um, a great point.
0: I mean, I'm enjoying my life. I, I meet people I like to meet. I have a good life. I do my own practice. I do my own readings, studies. I travel the world. I'm never thinking about how can I fuck that guy over? What did he say wrong 20 years ago? That's yeah, really right. Literally, the last thing on my mind is thinking about what did somebody else do 10 years ago that I might fuck him over for bringing up like that's literally the last thing when you're living an abundant life in happiness in bliss you know following your true will whatever you want to call it right you're you know you're doing what you love you're living your life you're happy you're not I mean by default you're not going to be looking to crucify the next guy like Jesus said right like why why look at look for a fault in another person when you have a log in your own eye right it's sort of that's probably the last thing that's on your mind right whereas
2: yeah.
0: i think on a so maybe in the west i'm in the east right now i'm in korea totally different continent but in the west it seems like that's sort of the uh, group mentality is sort of this uh blame the other person what's wrong with everyone else rather than what's wrong with me how do i improve my life how do i make my life an epic life my interest is more I want to live an epic life. I want to do an magic. I want to travel the world. I want to learn languages. I want to make it epic. I'm not thinking about how do I fuck the the next guy over or why, what's wrong with him?
1: No. That's, that's not even no, in my no. mindset, really, if, you know. If you are if you're yeah. yeah, no, just like, you know, there's there's not enough time in the day for that. We we got we got songs to write, music to play. Music to write, to music play. to play.
0: Yeah, there's too much to do that it's not about blaming someone else it's more about what can i do in my life how can i bring good energy to myself and to those around me it's not about Amen. crucifying other people or blaming or you know complaining or anything along those lines how can i improve myself and thus bring good energy to those around me right yeah. bringing bring yourself up and in turn bring others up not what's wrong with everyone else and let's complain and talk about it for 100 hours right like that's sort of uh that's a very low Low energy, low vibrational paradigm versus the high vibrational paradigm. Improve yourself, bring others up, right? Create, manifest in the world. It's the total opposite. It's not destroy and bring others down and complain, right? Yeah. So I think that's that's a big difference I noticed between, you know, I mean, maybe I don't live in America or Canada or anything like that. I don't really know what's actually going on there. It's just what I see on the internet. It's kind of how I perceive it. Like everyone's in this very low level, yeah,
2: low you're vibrational in paradigm. Korea
0: yeah it's totally different here people don't care it's like yeah live your own life i don't care do your thing whereas when i when i look on like twitter or american social media or the news it's the opposite it's like what's wrong with him what did he say 30 years ago that would be wrong right it's like yeah it's like it's the opposite of south korea literally right you know so uh I i don't really know what's going on there i'm not really the person to talk about that but uh I think ultimately realizing your life's in your own hands, you got to figure shit out, figure shit out for yourself, make, make yourself a good life, bring other people up. It's not about, uh, you know, blaming other people sort of have a little bit of accountability and do your own thing, figure out what works for you.
2: You know,
1: that's that's the the, the real horrors of the future might not come in our lifetime if we're lucky. And so really it falls upon us to just try and, treat each other in ways, educate each other in ways that that there's hope in the future generations, right? That we leave behind right. a, a legacy, not for our own edification, but mm-hmm. for global education. You know, let, let's try and let our, be, our lives be lessons to those who may come. Sure, after.
0: sure, sure. Yeah. I think one thing that the West could probably take the least, so here it's a group culture. It's that everyone is the same. We're all part of this group they see everyone as one. We're all part of this country. We're all part of this ecosystem. It's not red versus blue or the gays versus the, you know what I mean? It's not like that sort of this versus that. It's we need to learn how to all live together. Yes,
1: versus definitely.
0: Yeah, yeah, right, right, right. But I think that, you know, if anything can be taken away, it's sort of seeing everybody, you're all, we're all reflections of each other. We're all part of the same, we're all living in the same country or the same city we're all reflections we're all one vibration living off each other it's not about cutting each other down but how can we all live together how can we all bring each other up um how can we all you know mutually cooperate with each other rather and you know not from a place of ignorance but rather from a place of mutual understanding i think that's a very important you know distinction to draw rather than how can i cut him down how can i complain about what he did you know so uh i mean i I hope the magical path or whatever you study brings you to a place of seeing each other as companions on this path or fellow what do you want to say fellow spirits in the world rather than people to (laughs) shit shit on or complain on all day right you know Uh,
1: that's where initiation uh, can (laughs) can be useful you know if if i was stuck in a rut and initiation has always helped um Sure. it helped uh when i was uh seven at my first initiation mm-hmm. and then 10 and then like you know 13 15 and i've been going through initiations my whole life and it helps me change and grows in ways that benefit me and uh, that yeah. serve me rather than yeah i mean we can we can change for the better um and yeah. uh yeah and it can be a fun process if if you're doing it magically
0: right 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 comes down so, to yeah. bill hicks right like he said uh you can view the world through love and union we're all one consciousness or you can view the world through hate and fear we're all separate we're all uh, enemies right it's, it's kind of a choice right it's how you view things how you act how you choose to live in the moment i think
1: we'll good quote tr- yeah my 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 theological mentor dr sally mcfague would always quote eric heller be careful how you <laughs> interpret the world it is really like that
0: really is right really is yeah
1: so i have an article on on a, a new study on self-initiation coming out um okay. in studio magica a new magical journal um that like stephen skinner and a bunch of others uh, chris bennett all committed to write articles for okay. um and that's uh yeah i think uh yeah our deadlines our writer's deadline for that is next month uh so sweet Uh, that'll be out very soon and i've almost finished my piece on that and it's uh it's prefacing a a book i'll have uh for the fall or early next year that looks at some very new exciting stuff that i really haven't whispered about at all because uh it's a surprise
0: it's a surprise nice all right well is there anything uh i'm getting kind of sleepy on this end but anything you want to plug anything you want
1: to mention go go check out my podcast at hermetic podcast.com or magicwithoutfears.com it's on spotify everywhere like all the podcast platforms youtube's not a great place to listen to it uh itunes is okay but it it, it deletes like 20 percent of the episodes um because we're we're pretty rambunctious um i guess or they're just flaky who knows and uh <laughs> hermeticmysteryschool.com hermeticmysteryschool.com for uh, the free cyber guild for a free monthly class and if you want to if you, if you sure. dig what, what we do you can uh, check out the weekly classes for 50 bucks a month and and uh sure. you know, a lot of value and, there
0: i mean i mean i'm in yeah. your uh, cyber guild i can mention yeah. a lot of value a lot of cool stuff a lot of gd stuff a lot of experimental you know things you have going on so it's a little bit of a yeah. mix of the traditional yeah. golden dawn but also not only the traditional golden dawn which you might want to get into but also the, a lot of experimental uh working with the cover a lot of stuff, with other stuff yeah. so you get it you get a mix of both you know you get a good mix yeah of the like,
1: mix like next stuff. month we're studying more taught was more Inokian, and we've got some sure. some uh you know fairy evocations uh, on the books and uh also kabbalah lessons and just yeah i teach in a very you know, holistic way based on practices and, and techniques and sure. uh supplement it with right. large amounts yeah. of theory but only as appropriate to really facilitate uh increased operative workings and some okay. most people are everyone involved is either in a group or so on a self-initiatory path it doesn't really matter and everyone's super super cool and chill so it's fun yeah we have a good time and uh, yeah. thanks for having me back brother very thanks. good
0: very good i think you're uh, my second, me, uh, uh, second uh second returning guest i've only had you and cliff on for uh two different episodes so that's good and that's uh, how
1: well, i first heard about you
2: yeah, yeah we're gonna have to do it again soon too for sure shalom okay all right take it easy